0: Going on his own, he gets a
1: try The Red 78 We're both monster people Nobody knows monster rugby better Carberry gets over the line, try for Available every Wednesday Don't miss a moment of action Subscribe to the rugby channel on the OTB Sports app And turn on your notifications now
0: Football on Off the Ball
1: With Sky Get all the
2: football you love in one place Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports All right, you're welcome along to Thursday's football show. Nathan with you this evening. Mick McCarthy is in studio. Keith Tracy is on the line. Good evening, Keith.
0: How are you Nathan? You okay?
2: I'm all right. So there's live football ongoing. Prepare yourself, Keith. We may have full-scale, full-scale Mick meltdown over the next few minutes. Uh he's already gone so far. I don't know how much further there is to go, but it is hard to see Steven Gerrard I think surviving the night. As Aston Villa manager They are 2-0 down At Craven Cottage Against Fulham uh, Harrison Reed Put Fulham in front With a volley From the edge of the area In the first half And then in the second half It has just been A capitulation By Villa uh, Douglas Luiz Who they fought so hard To keep During the summer To keep Arsenal Away from him uh, Has let his team down He's let his manager down Got sent off For a headbutt VAR eventually Started working uh, The screen wasn't working Initially until he might Get away with it it Very was, soft
1: headbutt. Ah, come on! Like a, on. a move, movement
2: of the head, I would say. Uh, d- Kate, in terms of headbutts, <laughs> it's a red card.
0: Yeah, any sort of contact with the heads. You know, we've seen how how soft the game can be at times. It was always going to be a red card.
2: Uh, it was off the ball as well. The play had gone on, and he was just uh, staring down the Fulham player and threw the head in the Mick. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's sent off, and then uh, just a few minutes after that, it's penalty. Cross from the left-hand side seems to deflect up onto Maddie Cash's arm. He's in, even if it doesn't, he's incredibly close. To the yeah, Fulham we player. don't we
1: don't have the biggest uh, TVs here or whatever. But I thought I thought it hit his foot, but it might not have. Um, it might have gone straight to his hand. But yeah, it seemed harsh. But look, look, it's all irrelevant whether they're <laughs> unlucky or not, or like th- these things happen to poor teams, you know. And Villa are deservedly losing to Fulham tonight, and it's. <sighs> It's the kind of performance that no Villa fan is surprised about and it's the kind of result or soon-to-be result that no Villa fan is surprised by. There's a a momentum to the out outing that people kind of think is some sort of like, it's like bluster in something or maybe it's a sense of Villa fans being, I don't know, maybe self-important or, you know, not being with reality but the fact is, we watch them every week and they're this bad. Like, they're a terrible football team. But I don't think it's a group of terrible players. They're also, it, it, like, it's also a group of players that have the seventh, I think, or eighth. I think it's the seventh highest wage bill in the Premier League. It's a, it, they've had one of the highest net spends over the last four or five years. This is a group that's been built to compete, possibly even for Europe. And the way they're playing at the moment, they're going down. So the manager has to take responsibility for that. And it's like, this is just... Again, it's not like there's signs of progress or things are happening and they're just falling short or whatever. And people can say they played well in the first half against Chelsea. They did. They played well against Manchester City, specifically in the second half. And that's really been it, you know? And there are two teams that are coming at you. You don't really need a great game plan if you've got good players in terms of the attacking side. You do, obviously, defensively. So that's obviously... um, what the issue is here Villa aren't able to break down teams they're not able to score against uh, lesser teams quote unquote and it's over like I mean I said this I said this on the show after maybe the third fourth game of the season I didn't think there was any way back for Jared of Villa at that stage and again it was from watching them and from knowing that not one player on that team Nathan Not one player has improved in the eleven or so months that Steven Gerrard has been at Villa. So you can say it's not—you know—he hasn't been able to fill the squad. Like I was arguing with one of the guys in the office, saying that this isn't his squad. He's only had two transfer windows. He spent a good bit of money in those two transfer windows, but he's—you know—it's not his squad. You have to also work with what you're given and who's there. And not one player now, not one of them, are any better than when Gerrard took over.
2: Keith, that's probably the most damning part of this. 3-0 by the way 3-0 three 3-0 nil. Three nil. oh the camera's in on Martinez uh, Cabano with the goal for Fulham so Fulham 3 Aston Villa 0 Stephen Gerrard's hair hasn't moved and he hasn't moved off his seat either uh, Ezri Konza looks deflated Tyrone Mings cursing the sky uh, but this is absolutely disastrous for Aston Villa like the- I think everything Mick says there, it's, it's hard to disagree with any of it, Keith, particularly about not making players better because you mentioned the wage bill, but you look at the quality, the attacking quality. Like Danny Ings, okay, he's 30 now, but you know, before he arrives at Aston Villa, he scores 12 goals the previous season for Southampton, 22 the season before that. He is a tried and trusted performer in the Premier League who should be getting into double figures every season. Ollie Watkins, an emerging talent who should be getting into double figures easily every season, created by Coutinho, Buendia, Bailey, and none of those players seem to be able to put in any level of consistency or any sort of form that a good manager brings out of them. Like, what is the game plan that brings the best out of them? Have you seen any of that from Gerrard?
0: No, not for a, not for a while. It was, I think it was when he originally came in to Aston Villa after Dean Smith, there was a, a little bit of an initial bounce then it got, it got a little bit patchy again. And then he started this season. We were expecting him to kick on. We were expecting him to see the best of Coutinho. And it just hasn't happened. And I think what he's are saying is, right, he hasn't really improved an awful lot of uh, the players on a personal level. Maybe Jacob Ramsey coming through. He could maybe claim some sort of responsibility for that. But I think Jacob Ramsey is just an outstanding young talent that would have probably forced his way through either way. And, but I'm looking at the back four tonight. And Ashley Young, Tyrone Mings, bed the and concert you know that that's not a back four that's going to fill anybody full of confidence and although you know you can talk about the douglas louise sending off you can talk about you know gerrard's man management all that sort of stuff the attacking team that's done there is decent enough but if you can't keep goals out at this level and fulham are by no means you know that the, it gets an awful lot harder than fulham away in the premier league so it's, it's really really disappointing and when you we were looking at the start of the season and like you say with the with the players they've got you know I I really like John McGinn I think he's one of the most underrated players in the Premier League but he just doesn't seem to be able to do it week after week with with Aston Villa and obviously when he took the the captaincy off Tyrone Mings you know he just we were all waiting to see how Mings reacted he seems to have reacted okay but the team around him is crumbling and you know, again, you will go back to Ashley Young playing. Ashley Young's been an outstanding player in the Premier League. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to, you know, just drop a finger on him. But if you've got Ashley Young playing left back in a, in a Premier League team these days, you really are struggling.
1: I think the McGinn point is really good, Keith, because McGinn has been a, an overachiever since he signed for Villa. They signed him from Hibs for two million. He's a f- real fan favourite, you know, and he was made captain in the summer at a time when Villain knew or Gerrard should have known at least that the midfield was the biggest issue. You know, like they signed Kamara there is obviously injured at the moment to sort of sort out the defensive midfielder but it needed a kind of a an eight for want of a better word to go along with like obviously Ramsey emerging McGinn and just to have some more options there. The Ming's thing was a political disaster, disaster right at the start of the season that nobody seemed to understand but then to install McGinn it's made him undroppable and he's also in. and I don't know whether it's because of the captaincy or just coincidental because he is a trier he is someone that would take that sort of thing very seriously he's in the worst form he's been in for Villa probably the worst form of his career and they can't take him out of the team and just to, to give you a kind of a sense of what Villa fans would, I would feel that in by doing that one move has done he's made John McGinn an unpopular player. He got taken off in a game a few weeks ago, like in the 55th minute and the the Villa Park like erupted in ironic cheering. And I just, I mean, I didn't think that was very nice and I, I remember being kind of disgusted by it, but that's where it's come from. It's come from a guy who's seen as the manager's pet and isn't being dropped because he's been made captain. It's just a stupid rod for his own back that he made to a very predictable problem. And I think, again, that's just one thing, but it's emblematic of everything that's gone wrong.
2: Where Keith should they go next? There's obviously the Pochettino rumours, and nobody knows how much substance there is in that, and whether
1: Pochettino will be interested in an Aston Villa. Like in Sean, the relegations on Aston Villa, well, you know. Like that, you mean but I mean, that's a different it, job than just taking on Villa at, at, at a random point, you know.
2: Well, it's and it's while it is the seventh highest wage bill. It's not a team that it looks ready to uh, contest for Europe. Like, I'm thinking Sean Dyche here, Keith. Yeah, you
0: took the wars right I mean, out my mouth, Nathan. I think with a team, I know they're they're just out of relegation zone on goal difference at the minute, but you know, with that squad, I think if you get them working hard, if you get them out running most teams, the talent will shine through. And I'm not talking challenging for Europe. I'm talking about just staying in the Premier League this season and giving Villa a start. I think that's probably all they can hope for if they if they turn the bend that Christmas or after the World Cup and they don't really flirt with relegation. I think that's probably the best Aston Villa can hope for them. I'd love to see Sean Dysh come back in. I'd love to see him get a, get a hold of them players because at the minute, you know, I, I look at Douglas Louise getting sent off tonight. Has his head been torn? Did the Arsenal rumors get to him? Did he want to leave the club? And it, it just seems like a, a dressing room that needs to get, you know, it needs to be just grabbed by the scruff of the neck. And, you know, well, he just signed a new me, contract, didn't
2: he? Sorry, he just signed a new contract as well, Douglas Luiz. Yeah, just this week.
0: <laughs> he did, but look at the, at the Arsenal. Look, we all know how flimsy yeah. contracts are, and that that generally there just to pump up the transfer fee when it does eventually come. That doesn't mean Douglas Luiz is staying at Aston Villa for for whatever the length the contract is. So, <clears throat> I think Douglas Luiz's head has been torn. I really do. I know the Arsenal rumours were where pretty big in the summer, and it didn't happen, but you know when players heads get torn it's it's very difficult to get back into the mode and throwing his head like that tonight i know it wasn't you know a clear and obvious head but there's a little bit of a movement but that's the sort of things that only creep in when when you're feeling a little bit hard done by at the club and yeah look at to go back to it again I, i'd love to see Dyson there i do i really would i i, I feel he's his time up only he was on the whole really really good punching above his weight and if he could go in there and do something like that at Villa I think he's stuck he would obviously just keep rising
2: you spend a lot of time with Sean Dyche if he was to go into that dressing room like what we see the Sean Dyche from the outside and he he does seem to almost play up to that personality a bit gruff when he needs to be he's got a bit of humour about him and the football has generally always been a sort of straightforward four four two. work very hard couple of big target men up there an absolute nuisance and a nightmare to play against on the training ground around the training ground what's he like?
0: He's, a, he's unbelievable he's uh he's so family orientated he he will very rarely unless you're on the football pitch actually doing physical training he will very rarely speak to you about football if you're in the canteen it will obviously be family talk or you know taking the mic it won't generally be football talk he's he's he puts you at ease and he, he has a great blend of being able to make you laugh and being able to make you know where the line is with him he, he is the gaffer but he's also one of the lads and to be able to get that mix is really, really difficult. Yeah, I can't speak kindly enough of the man, you know, when when he came into Bornley, Eddie Howard just left and I I, I I was just about to pack it in and he put another two years on my career. That That's how good he was to try and get me fit and it, well, I was in such a dark place at the time. But yeah, look, man management goes a long, long way in football and Sean Dyche has the knack of being able to make people run through brick walls. and. I know people think he, it's a 4-4-2, four, four it's a bit rigid, it's a bit that. Uh, you know, he plays with what he has, and at Burnley, that's what he has available. Well, that's, that's what
2: I wanted to ask you. Do you think, actually, if he came into this squad, and I mentioned, you know, Ings and Watkins, maybe, you're a natural front two, if he wanted to go with that, but a Buendia, Coutinho, like, he's never had players of that calibre at his disposal. Do you think we all underestimate what he could actually do with a, a different crop of players?
0: Well, it'd be, I'd be very, very interested to see because, like I say, I, I, without being uh, disrespectful to the Burnley team I played in, there was no real superstars in it. In the Watford team he had before that, no real superstars. So, he would, if he went to Aston Villa and got the likes of a continue, there would be genuine superstars in that team. And I, I would be very interested. And I believe he would try and play a little bit of football. I, I do think there'll be certain players that would be tasked with just keeping it simple and being told in no certain terms, you're going to carry the bricks for certain players who will lay the bricks for us. and you're just a you're just a brick carrier. I believe he's actually used that term in the past with, with certain people. There's people that carried him. People that laid him. I was a bricklayer, thank God. I, I was known as a brick a bricklayer, not a brick carrier. <laughs> Who was the brick carrier? There was an awful lot of them. An awful awful lot of <laughs> brick, brick carriers in the morning team, thank God.
2: Yeah, geez, I'm trying
0: but to it, think. It's the basis of success. It, it really yeah. is. You know, if you outwork the other team. Ninety percent of the time, you're going to win.
1: Yeah, you'd you'd be confident enough that that could transfer to not necessarily a higher level, but I suppose a, a kind of a more um, expensive uh, group of players like that. That like that message is universal. You'd say,
0: I think so because one of the first things he did at Burnley was he he has this thing. It's like it's like a like a fine whale and. It, to, without going too deep into into the ins and outs of it it strips back everybody's ego if, if you leave your top out in the training ground a, a, a bottle if you don't clean your 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 cup of tea yeah you, you've got to spin the wheel and you could end up having to be in a boy band or singing or dancing for a minute or having to do a lap dance and this just strips everybody's ego back and soon enough you start coming around and you're thinking the lads aren't laughing at me we're all laughing at each other and we're all pushing in the same direction and when the egos are gone, everybody walks to the same, to the same walk rate. There's no, no passengers. And look, uh, like I say, at Bonnie he was walking with what he had. I, I do think there would be certain people that would be let off the leash, so to speak, if, if, with, with a little bit more talent. But to go into a dressing room and be able to strip back the egos and get people running through brick walls for you, mm. I think that's, that's a great structure to be able to build from.
2: I'm just wondering who you were doing the lap dance for.
0: I I got the lap dance done too. When when you get when you get when you get told Name you names. have to do the lap dance. It was Kieran Trippier. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the best lap dance I've ever received.
1: Wow. I wasn't expecting yep. that.
0: Wow. Well, he's gone on to have a great career. So, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, <laughs> I, I, I feel like, like I can mention it.
2: Things went well for him from there on in. He decided, you know what? I'm going to work harder at training. I never want this to happen to me again.
0: Well, wow. he never left his top out in the training pit again. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> wow,
2: this poor old Kieran Trippier. It's hard to know it's how a, follow it's a good, up on that. It's,
0: it's, it's <laughs> such a good thing to be able to do, to strip a player's ego back and to just... You know, there's so many egos in football these days. If you're able to strip them back and, you know, motivate a player who's got hundreds of thousands in the bank and it's not really, you know, you can't find them. How do you hurt them? You just strip their ego back and, you know, build from basics.
2: I feel this might be a, a tangential hour where we go off in uh, different places. Uh, just to bring you up to date, Leicester are 2-0 up against Leeds. There's five minutes gone in the second half. Robin Cox scored an own goal early in the game. And Harvey Barnes has scored a second for Leicester. So that'll be huge for Brendan Rodgers. Uh, yeah. Stephen Gerrard is under massive pressure now. They've been beaten 3-0 uh, by Fulham at Craven Cottage. One log moan. Uh, it, it, Kieran Trippier, he's gone on, and I'm sure he's going to be, you know, in the England squad for the World Cup. There's a very good possibility now, with Reece James been injured, with Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, not having what Gareth Southgate wants, the Trippier will be in that starting eleven. When you look back to your time at Burnley, and it was probably what a decade ago at this stage that you were first playing together, was he always somebody who had the talent to be one of the best in his position in the Premier League?
0: Yeah, Trips was always outstanding um, going forward. I, I remember I I played against him when we were both really, really young. I think he was still at Manchester City and he, he was on loan at Barnsley and I was at Preston. We played against each other, me obviously playing left wing and him playing right back. And I remember he, he was obviously outstanding going forward, but I remember thinking he's not the best defender in the world he can be got at. And then he came to Burnley, we ended up coming together at Burnley and... He, I, I got to know him as a person and he was so motivated. He he really did bring all the Manchester City traits with him to bournemouth And look, although look, we can talk all day about modern fullbacks not, not being the best defenders in the world. And I think Kieran, I think Tripps falls into that category, but he's absolutely outstanding at what he does going forward. He really is. And the, the thing for me is, you know, when people say, you know, Trent Alexander Arnold, Reese James, Kieran Trippier, who's the best, Kyle Walker, even I know Kyle is injured. I think Kieran Trippier is the best defender out of everybody. You know, he's probably not the best going forward. Maybe that would go to Trent. But in terms of the whole package, I think Trips is, you know, a little bit behind Trent in output going forward, but not not an awful long way behind him. And in terms of defensive ability, I think he's actually just a little bit ahead of Trent. So in terms of for you know I don't think that makes him a better player than than a. Then Trent, but he's definitely up there and with the with the wealth of talent that you have at the in the right back disposal, England it's just ridiculous, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. they they lose Reese James, lose Kyle Walker, and they've still got two or three lining up that are, you know, world class.
2: A couple of chances there for Leeds, but a couple of saves from the Leicester goalkeeper. So it remains 2-0, seven minutes gone in the second half. I will be covering Kieran Trippier on Sunday up against his old club, Spurs against Newcastle. Um, Myself and Keith will be on commentary for that one, half past four kickoff. I will also have full commentary of Southampton against Arsenal. Uh, So the league leaders in action on Sunday afternoon, Stephen Doyle and Brian Kerr will be across that one. Of course, John the lads will be here on Saturday with all the latest in that. Uh, the big story of the day, Keith, unquestionably, surrounds Cristiano Ronaldo. So everybody saw the footage last night live in real time as he just walked down the tunnel. Mid-game, well I say mid-game, it was very late in the game, but everyone wondered what was going on. It was clear he seemed unhappy that he hadn't been selected, that he wasn't being brought on. Went down the tunnel, it emerged then that he hadn't just gone down the tunnel, he had left the stadium completely and gone home before the match had even finished. And then today, as further information grew, it turns out that Cristiano Ronaldo had actually refused to come on in the closing stage when Eric Ten Hag wanted him to. Then went down the tunnel in a huff. Uh, Manchester United responded with a statement saying he won't be in the matchday squad for the game against Chelsea at the weekend. It's understood he's going to be training with the kids uh, and he's basically been ostracised from the main squad for now. Uh, Ronaldo has come out with a statement uh, this evening. This just in the last few minutes from Cristiano Ronaldo on his Instagram account, uh, which, as you can imagine, has many, many millions of followers. He says... As I've always done throughout my career, I try to live and play respectfully towards my colleagues, my adversaries and my coaches. That hasn't changed. I haven't changed. I'm the same person and the same professional that have been for the last 20 years playing elite football. And respect has always played a very important role in my decision-making process. I started very young. The older and more experienced players' examples were always very important to me. Therefore, later on, I've always tried to set the example myself for all the youngsters that grew in all the teams that I've represented. Unfortunately, that's not always possible, and sometimes the heat of the moment gets the best of us. Right now, I just feel that I have to keep working hard in Carrington and support my teammates and be ready for everything in any given game. Giving in to the pressure is not an option. It never was. This is Manchester United, and united we must stand. Soon we'll be together again. It's almost an apology. Well, I think the key thing there, <laughs> Keith, is it's not an apology. It has everything oh. but an apology.
0: It's, he, well, he's using some words there that, that don't really make, make sense to me. He's using the word respectful professionalism and set an example for younger kids. He, he didn't do any of that last night and this is not the first time he's walked away early you know he done it in pre-season as well and although I, I was prepared to turn a blind eye for that one you know he it was pre-season he was on the bench he wasn't needed you know I could let that one go but in a Premier League game refusing to come on it, it just doesn't bode well and you know th- this is not something that's just going to end quietly I know he's Ten Hag has come out or Manchester United has come out and said he won't be selected for the Chelsea game on the weekend but that's not going to be the end of it. Dude. The World Cup is in in four weeks' time. Ronaldo's going to be a big part of the Portuguese squad. So he needs to be sharp. He needs to be fit. And I can't see him just playing a couple of under-23 games or a couple of reserve games and being happy going into that. So this will this will rumble on for me. This will this will just keep on rumbling on and it'll be horrible. And it's already a big talking point now when United are going quite well. They're in fifth, just be Spurs 2-0 last night, no, played really well. So if United start having a couple of dodgy results, This is just going to get worse and worse and worse. And, you know, if Eric Ten Hag doesn't keep winning and keep scoring goals, you know, it's only going to get worse. And, you know, I don't see where United and Ronaldo go from here, if I'm honest.
2: I think a lot of people felt like you in the first incidents in pre season, sort of giving them the benefit of the doubt that he's a bit peeved. It's pre season, he leaves a few minutes early. Okay you know, he's trying to make a point and he'll move on and he'll be professional when it really matters. Like, what happened last night is outrageous. Like, to refuse to come on and then walk out of the stadium while the match is still going on. Like, how is that acceptable from any player ever? How how do you not fire him?
0: Well, I, 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 it's, it's a fair question, Nathan, and I think if it was anybody other than Ronaldo, a man of lesser talents, I think he would be out the door and he'd be out the door pretty sharply, but... You know, man that, of lesser is, talents
2: that, Or man of lesser wages
0: uh, Well that's Yeah probably both If I'm honest Because You know His talent is starting To, to, to wane, But he is still An outstanding talent He can still hit The back of the net And I think I can I can confidently say If he was to start You know 90% of Manchester United's his Premier League games He'd probably score 15 to 20 goals This season I think we'd be Do confident still think in that?
2: Do you still think that Watching him this season that, that he has that ability To score that amount of goals
0: Yeah, I I think he would get enough chances and he would hit the back of the net enough times, you know, he would make things Maybe the
2: different question, Keith, is would Manchester United score as many goals or more goals with Ronaldo in the team? In that, because of what he takes away from his inabilities to, you know, the obvious one that's always pointed out, to, to press high in the way that Eric Ten Hag wants, with the intensity that Eric Ten Hag wants, would Manchester United as a team score more goals with or without Cristiano Ronaldo in it?
0: Well, t- to answer your to answer your question quickly, I think they would they would score more goals without Cristiano Ronaldo. But to give you a, a, a fuller answer of it would it would be obviously Ten Hag wants wants everybody. He wants Ronaldo to be part of it. He wants Ronaldo's eighteen goals from last season. He wants Ronaldo to press and he wants to be able to to rely on Rashford as well to chip in as. For me, Rashford needs to take the bull by the horns here. You know, it's wide open now where he's saying he's not Ronaldo's not going to be part of the squad on Saturday, uh, sorry, on the weekend. I I assume that will roll over again because Ronaldo's not coming out with an apology, which you would assume Ten Hag will demand until he before he comes back into the squad. So for me, Marcus Rashford just needs to play well, need just keep your running stats up. If he's putting in the walk, pressing people, I think Ten Hag will stick with him. I don't think he needs to hit the back of the back at the net every single game to keep Ten Hag happy. But if he does that, he's going to keep one of the best players that's ever played the game on the bench. But from from Rashford's point of view, I've just been thinking about it. And, and if I was Marcus Rashford and you're starting on it and you're looking at Ronaldo's reaction, and it's just disrespectful to him. What must Marcus Rashford be thinking when a player who you're starting ahead of is reacting like that when he's supposedly supposed to be coming on? It, it's just disrespectful. And if I was Rashford, I'd be looking at him in the dressing room and going, you're, you're coming across like you don't fancy me as a player because every, your body language is it's just wrong. And like you say, when he's using words like respectful and professionalism, professionalism is an awful, it's an awful lot more than just looking after your body and playing well. You've got to treat your teammates with respect and Ronaldo's been really lacking in that lately.
2: I'll put you on the spot. Who, When you look back on your club career, who was the, the best player, the biggest name you ever played with? Maybe the biggest ego you ever played with?
0: biggest ego.
2: Well, uh, the, say the best player. I'm just I'm, I'm just looking for a comparison here when you're in a in a dressing room.
0: Well, the, the best ego and the best player was probably the same. It was probably Craig Bellamy. He, he but the, the thing with Craig Bellamy was, you know, when he came to Blackburn, he he was on a different level to everybody else at Blackburn. He single-handedly just I think he scored your double figures that season. He he ended up going on to Liverpool. But he dragged everybody up around him. Now he wasn't the nicest man in the world to deal with. If he didn't think you were a good footballer, he was very, very quick in telling you that. But if he thought you had a bit of something in you, he would hammer you. But it, it always ended on a positive note. And he, he for me, the way he trained, he didn't. He, he expected that from everybody. And if the standards weren't right, he he dragged people up around him. And whether it be with you know verbally getting onto somebody, or at times it could even get physical. But you know, that that's what you need at times. You, you know, players will turn up and go through the motion, but you need somebody who just will not accept that in training because it can't always come from their manager because on a Saturday or whenever you cross that white line in the game, the manager can't do it. You need problem solvers on the pitch, and that's that's why people like Craig Bellamy at Blackburn were just, you know, invaluable.
2: So if he pulled a Ronaldo then as influential and as important as he was, if he was stuck on the bench for a game, didn't hang around, uh, you know, goes down the tunnel, is throwing his arms up in the air when he's been substituted, as you say undermining his manager, undermining his teammates. If if he wasn't in the squad, as a player in that dressing, room, would you be going, great, he's disruptive, I don't want him there? Or are you thinking, well, actually, he's our best player and I'll sort of put up with that because he's so important to us?
0: You see, as a player, you do see both sides of the swords. <laughs> if If I'm if I'm a a striker and Craig Bellamy's a striker then I'm thinking you've got to get rid of him he's a bad apple in the dressing room but if you're the centre midfielder and you're the one who's playing the passes to the likes of Craig Bellamy then you think you keep him in the squad at all costs you know it it can get very personal football in the dressing room and you know I I, I wouldn't like to be in that United dressing room at the minute I know Ronaldo's uh, supposedly going to be training with the kids but you would assume he's still going to get changed in the same changing room as the four team players and deal with them on a daily basis be eating together and like I said, I can't, I can't imagine Mar- Marcus Rashford has a very good opinion of him either. So that the little feels in the dressing room, these all linger on into games as well. And if it's not, you know, I'm not saying everybody needs to be best friends in the dressing room, but there certainly needs to be a respect and a cohesion and a decent walking environment. And with Ronaldo there, it just doesn't seem like the walking environment is going to be as good as it could be.
2: Uh, we need to take a quick break. The latest in the live football, Leicester City 2, Leeds United at uh, Leeds giving it a right old goal in the second half. They're 63 minutes gone at the King Power Stadium, but they just can't get themselves a goal at the moment. Leeds United are in a really bad run of form. Uh, earlier, Fulham 3, Aston Villa nil. Douglas Louise sent off in the second half. Really does just feel like it's a matter of time now before Steven Gerrard loses his job as Villa manager. Arsenal, by the way, we're playing in the Europa League tonight, which denied us Arsenal against Manchester City in the Premier League, uh, which we should have been watching. Uh, but Arsenal won that game by a goal to nil. Granit Xhaka with the goal there, uh, making four wins from four for Arsenal. All our football is brought to you by Sky. Watch all the football you love, including the biggest Premier League games, every weekend, live on Sky.
0: Football on off the ball
2: with Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Welcome back. Still Leicester 2, Leeds 0. Midway through the second half at the King Power to be just Leicester's second win of the season. Uh, from Leeds. It'd now be seven games without a win for Jesse Marsh's side. So a little bit of pressure probably coming on. 53106 is the text number if you want to get in touch. Fulham 3-0 winners over Aston Villa earlier on. Keith Tracy uh, is still with us on the line. We've had lots of football on the show tonight. John Giles, you can get the full podcast. And uh, Nathan Collins was with us uh, as well, talking about life at Wolves, uh, how he dealt with the disappointment of the red card against Manchester City and his future ambitions. Really, really impressive uh, 21-year-old. Uh, Keith, uh, you, you should have a listen. I think like most of us, you're probably thinking, God, I wish I was that mature when I was 21.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? But you know he, he seems to have a good head on his shoulders and I, I wouldn't be uh, too critical of the, the red card against Manchester City I know it was a horrific tackle I, I can see it back in my head now but Manchester City can do that to you they can really frustrate you keep the ball and you know you can make a really a, a half a, a split second decision in your head when the ball bounces to think right I'm going to leave a bit on him and all of a sudden you're sent off you know I, I, I can sympathise with that but he he seems like he's going to learn from it he, he obviously would uh got a little bit of abuse on the social medias but he, he seems to be bouncing back from it uh, mentally bouncing back stronger from it. I'm sure he'll learn from it as well and you know he's been outstanding from Ireland and you know the, the rise he's had over the last couple of years it really has been outstanding so like I say very hard to be too critical of him when he's when he's coming out and sounding so mature about it, it doesn't sound like a uh, like he, he's not going to learn so yes real big positives for, for Ireland and for, for Nathan on a personal level uh,
2: We've been maybe getting a bit carried away with um, his leadership qualities and talking about his future captaincy prospects considering he captained Stoke uh, when he was just 18 at one stage is he the next Ireland captain?
0: Yeah I would have thought so I, I always uh, I'm probably a little bit old school in that respect That I, I, I prefer me, me captains to be in the middle of the pitch you know Preferably a little bit before they're back in the centre-half position because they feel they can see the whole of the pitch. You know, If it's a goalkeeper, it's hard to get your message across to everybody. The centre-halves can usually get to see everybody. They will come into contact with everybody from set pieces so they can get their message around. and They can be really dominant in, in their play as well. They can inspire from that position. and I, I don't see why not. I think it, with the trajectory he's on, he definitely is going to be the next Ireland captain. and You know, Whatever about his defending, I think he's defending his defending has gone from strength to strength since he's at, been at Wolves. But that goal he he, he scored for us for Ireland mm. when he, I think he was called the young John Barnes as well. So we want to see a lot more of that from him as well. It was it was excellent stuff. Uh,
2: Wolves uh, have announced today, by the way, that Steve Davis is going to stay on as caretaker manager until 2023. So I don't think anyone's quite sure what that means as to uh, they were trying to get Michael Beale from Queens Park Rangers. He turned them down. It seems to be a real struggle for them to replace Bruno Lage and whether or not that means that uh, he's going to be the permanent manager or whether they just stay in this sort of limbo until after the World Cup. Everyone will have to wait and see, but it's probably not ideal from Nathan Collins' point of view. Uh, I want to talk to you about Liverpool and the victory last night. Like John Giles was on earlier saying that you know, it was pretty simple against Manchester City. The attitude was totally different. They were at it. They were at it right from the very first minute, and like, that was the problem so far this season, that their attitude hasn't been there. They haven't got to the same intensity that they've got to over the last three or four years. The game against West Ham last night was, was that a, a return to pre Manchester City Liverpool? And do you think it's going to be a struggle for them to, to get to that level on a consistent basis?
0: I, I do. I think it, I do t- still think Liverpool will struggle this season. Uh, I think they'll be top four, top six, obviously they'll be up there about whether or not they'll be able to recover and, and go and get second, I'm not too sure. It I, I think it all depends on how on how well Arsenal stay. Um if Arsenal stay really well then, you know, it's a massive gap already. I think they were ten points behind Manchester City before last night. So I think it's down to seven now. I I don't know. I I think it's just the, the rock and roll football of Liverpool it, it came up to catch them. There's an awful lot of players that have an awful lot of minutes in the leg and you know, it, you keep telling players keep going. We go again. We go again. Re- reality will set in, and you do get tired. And like I said, I I keep coming back to. It. I think selling Mane was a big, big mistake. I have to be honest. And I think it was 30 million. He went to Bayern Munich for. I know he only had one year left on his on his deal at Liverpool, but 30 million to an elite club in England is really painful. So. He's, he's proven he's still scoring goals at Bayern Munich and I think he would have made a big difference in uh, in Liverpool's attacking play, not only in the terms of scoring goals but the way he used to set the press off from the front as well was absolutely excellent and like I said, with, with Darwin Nunes as well hitting the ground running, he would have really flourished and with the with the, the injury to Jota, I think it will highlight Mane's, Mane's miss even bigger.
2: What have you made of Nunes so far? Got his first downfield goal. Is you know, his scoring goals, uh, is creating chances. A little bit unorthodox at times. Feels a little bit clumsy at times, but also creates creates quite a bit of chaos.
0: Yeah, he does. I I like him. He's a big, strong forward. He's nice and agile as well. He'll get around the pitch. He, he's not. A, he doesn't go away from the physical battle. He enjoys a bit of that. And the, the header he scored it was excellent. I I love seeing. I think that's a thing of beauty when a player's prepared to just go on. Put that forever on anything and you know not afraid to get hurt. Yeah, I I think he'll blend in really well. It, it'll be interesting to see now because since the red card, I think everybody now when you got that red card against Crystal Palace, every centre half now will be trying to wind them up, you know, any sort of off the field, off the off the ball issues, they'll be just pinching them, you know, trying to wind them up. It'll be interesting to see if he reacts because he looks like he has a bit of a temper. But I, I like that. But you You know, a little bit like Wayne Rooney, I feel if you take that away from him, he becomes a little bit less of a player. So he needs to play on the edge, but he needs to keep his temperament in check. And as long as he can do that, I do think he'll score a lot of goals for Liverpool. But for me, the Liverpool team as a whole is just off it ever so slightly. If the team was to come back to the boil, obviously he would score an awful lot more goals and look a little bit better of a player. But... Yeah, I I think they have a a real cracking player there in in Darwin
2: Nunes. Last night they went with Nunes and Firmino from the start and that meant that Mo Salah was was out on the right-hand side again and we saw how devastating he was through the middle and they got him involved in the game far more often. I'd imagine his touches were way up on his average performance for Liverpool this season. That's a bit of a dilemma for Klopp now because they've spent so much money on Nunes. It's hard to see a scenario where Nunes and Salah could play together as a front two.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if I you know it just doesn't look right, doesn't Nunes and Salah up front as a two. I, I I know Salah can go through the middle, but you know, I, I like him off the wing, I have to be honest. when you can isolate him out there in a one v one even if uh, when the press when when Liverpool are getting pressed away, Allison can just bomb the ball forward like we've seen for the the Man City goal, he can isolate people and just really be so devastating out there. And I like Nunes as a focal point, I have to be honest, and it, it just gives the likes of Salah and, and Carvalho, whoever whoever it is out in the wings, you don't really have to do too much because if the if the right back or the left back is going to stand off you because they're afraid of your pace in behind, then you just chip the ball into Nunez's head and inevitably they will have to get tighter to you because nobody's going to just let the ball keep coming into the box. That's when you start getting your your holes in behind. That's when you can start exposing and penetrating people from in behind. So I think nunez although you might just see him standing up at the top of the pitch an awful lot of gaps will be appeared and just because he will take the eye to the two centre-halves and he'll be occupying people. So it will free up Salah. So although I don't think Salah and Nunes can work as a two up front, I do think two can play up there and it will really help Salah to uh, to free himself up on the wings.
2: All right, Keith, great stuff. Uh, we will talk to you on Sunday. We'll be on commentary for Spurs against Newcastle. I'm not sure if we'll be talking about Kieran Trippier's lap dance again during that commentary, but you never know, it might come up. Uh, we've also got Southampton against Arsenal. Keith Tracy, great stuff. We'll talk to you then.
0: Cheers, mate, and see you later.